Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, the life of a United States senator. Senator Maggie Hassan is here to tell us what it's really like to serve in the world's greatest deliberative body. Is there a rule book, or does Mitch McConnell just make shit up as he goes along? And what really goes on in the Senate cloakroom? Are there actual cloaks? Plus, Sheila Buck got a ticket for Donald Trump's Tulsa rally. She was sitting calmly, waiting to get in, but she was wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt. Sheila will tell us the story of what happens next. The founders said the Senate was a saucer designed to cool the coffee. Let's find out if the coffee's grown bitter in 2020. I'm Adam Felber, the man who tries to move our topics through a conversational committee, getting him on the floor of this podcast in an orderly debate, and finally resulting in a coherent bill of discussion. And now, please welcome the woman whose only book of conversational parliamentary procedure is Robert's Rules of Disorder, Paula Poundstone! Hey! Hey, hey Paula Poundstone! Hey, you guys! Hey, Adam! And thanks to tonight's house band, Nobody Jay Clannon on Flugelhorn from Longmont, Colorado. You know what I'm doing right now? What's that? You know what I'm doing right now? I'm sitting in a folding chair on top of my treadmill, as I so often am, and then I have a a piece of furniture that is uh, shaped like a panda bear that is just to my left. And on top of that panda bear, there's a stack of books. And one of those books is a book called The Honey Bee that I got out of the library three months ago, like before the pandemic hit. And I thought for sure, once the pandemic did hit, I was like, oh, you know what? The silver lining is that I'm going to have time to read The Honey Bee book. Not okay. a page. Haven't even cracked the cover. And I just found out today that they're opening up the return slide at the library. I've had this book for three months. The greatest clemency in the history of libraries. And I'm still not ready to return it. Is it about bees? Sh- it is. It is. Shouldn't you be able to write a note to the library and say, look, I've been so busy. Let me just have the bee book a little bit longer. Yeah. I mean, I know you can renew, but I don't. I don't think they'll let you renew after th- three months, but I oh, think if I bet, they understood, I bet they will. Yeah. I, I think that if they understood how busy I've been, you, you know, and I don't know how many people you have to have authenticate a document to say, yes, Paula's been very, very busy. You have been um, very, very busy. And, been, and you I've know what? Great. I've been very busy this week. Have you? 
Yes, I am. Um, you know, I'm usually not as busy as you, but this week, uh, my wife and I and my friend uh, uh, Joe Fury, who you know, a comedy writer, have been teaching yeah. a bunch of kids comedy camp. We've been doing our comedy camp, but having to do it virtually. Oh my gosh! I, you know what? I'll be honest. That sounds awful. Uh... <laughs> well, I'm glad I came on this podcast to promote my stuff. <laughs> Yeah, can I no, I'm can sure I use that sh- poll quote, Paula, for if, yeah, when we I'm advertise sure next round? I'm I'm sure it's lovely. I I just you know the idea of another like if I never look at another motherfucking computer again when this is all right. over, you know right. I, well, I should say if this is all over, I, I just like I'm fairly certain you know people can put in fake backgrounds. Yeah. Um. There's also a thing now, because a lot of people are considering it sort of virtuous that they can do family Zoom where, you know, where it's relatives that maybe you haven't seen in like a long, long time because they don't live in the same place. And now nobody has to travel, but the whole family. So there's virtual relatives now. Um, there's there's people that are <laughs> pretending to be like your Aunt Nicole. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's that's great. I would like a virtual uh, Aunt Nicole. Maybe I'll invite her to my comedy camp. Uh, Paula, just just for the record, I have your okay to use the poll quote, that sounds awful, on my future advertising, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, thank yeah. you. You might want to run that by the others, you know, before you go to print. But Well, yeah, no, you're, you're, I, a famous, you're a famous name, so just having that on our poster will be great. Yeah, it does. It sounds horrible to me. I just, uh, I mean, uh, how do you yeah. even, what do you do? So the kids are in front of the screen and then they do what? They, uh, we plan sketches together. We do sight gags and we do uh, sketches, song parodies. We show them little films, classic comedy okay. like Chaplin and, and Three Stooges and stuff. Do the children know that they're not together? Uh, I would say at this point, almost every child in America knows they're not together. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if we're raising a generation of kids, like the, you know, little kids that yeah. just think this is, yeah, like I was with this my friend today. Yeah, but they're not. Yeah. All yeah, right, well, that's I a wonder- nice, on that depressing note, why don't we go around the horn and say <laughs> hi to everybody? Um, oh, that's a good idea. Our socially distanced staff, um, whenever I choose Bonnie first, she... Gets angry, so I'm just going to go straight to Studio City. Our producer, Tony Anita Hall. How are you? What's new in your life? Hi. Um, I got my first COVID test. Very exciting. And and what oh. were the results? Negative. Negative. Excellent. Just, okay. Yeah. But let me just say that Tony doesn't test well, so she may, in fact, be positive. <laughs> That's true. She's not a good tester, right, right Tony? Terrible tester. A lot of test anxiety. Now, was it painful? Did they, like, swab the back of your soul? No, I did it myself. I drove through at Dodger Stadium. You swab your own mouth, stick it in a little vial, shake it up, and toss it into a trash can. Very easy. Tony, that's not, that's not <laughs> the test. <laughs> I have really bad news for you. Yeah, this is going to be this That's gonna be actually rough. not how the that's... test is done at all. Are you not sure all, it was... No. Was there anybody in any kind of medical outfit, or was it just people eating out of trash cans near there? What I don't understand. Yeah, was it a handmade then, sign saying Jack's COVID hut? Because <laughs> they're just I taking did, your money. I, I did get yelled at because I did something wrong, but it was all good. What did you What did you do wrong, Tony? 
There's like a little <laughs> cotton pad in the in the baggie, and I right. took it out, but uh-huh. you had to leave the cotton pad in it. And he was like, "Put the cotton pad back in." So like, you could have a you? false negative there. Yeah, you know what? Clearly, you, Tony, you are sick as a dog right now, and you don't even know it. Um, that okay. <laughs> First of all, you don't do it yourself. Second of all, they swab your nose, not your mouth. You know, you may have gone to an ice cream truck. Yeah. That might have been an was ice it, cream truck. Was it two sticks and there was something cold and sweet on the end of them? Yeah. Did the swab have something sweet on it? It's supposed to taste like cotton candy, right? Oh, damn no, it, Tony. No, no. Tony. no. Oh, Oh, this is that's this a that's a damn awful. shame. It is, yeah. Yeah. So you right, got your uh, clean bill of health so that you can go on the cruise ship. Is that right, Tony? December twenty second. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know why you're bothering to get a COVID test, Tony. Because like, <laughs> I'm I mean, all in. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, anybody who gets on a cruise at this point, you're expected to bring your own COVID. You know what? There's not a there are no cruise ships that are going on December 22nd. Let me just make a wild prediction now. I'm I mean, hopeful. I am hopeful. I am hopeful. Tony Tony may get in a boat on December 22nd, but it will likely be like a little fishing boat or even a pirate boat and she'll think it's a cruise, but no, there are no cruise ships that are going anywhere on December 22nd. I think that's a pretty I, safe bet. My, uh, yeah, my apologies to Princess, uh, but you're not going anywhere. <laughs> All right. Uh, then uh, shuttling on over into the Simi Valley. It, it, I think Bonnie's in the Simi Valley. Uh, Bonnie Burns, our, our, Paula, your manager, our producer, Captain Crinkle. Bonnie Burns, how you doing? Hi, Adam. Hi, Paula. What's new? I was oh. going to bring like a bag of potato chips or something, so I had a more appropriate Crinkle, but I forgot. Oh, that's all right. (laughs) (laughs) And here's the other thing. Like, I was dreading you calling on me today. Like, I feel like I'm in high school. And you know how you crunch down behind the bigger person so you don't get called on? Because I can't think of anything that I could say that would be appropriate for a show that has a senator on. Like, if she was going to have somebody else listen to it. And then, like, you know, I say something that's not good. Oh, I see. Like if you said, if you, so for example, Bonnie, if you came out inadvertently as pro-dictator, guys, that would guys, be awkward. Guys? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no. I, I, I cut out around the time that, uh, for some reason I was kicked off the conference call around the time Bonnie started to say that she was going to bring potato chips. Oh, okay. Oh, you missed the part where I said, are you bald? <laughs> Uh, yeah, See, I, right there. I just did. I, I, I missed all that. Um, yeah. Can we go back? No, she no, didn't say. I are see. you bald? What the words I heard were, "You bald fuck." That's what I heard. <laughs> well, there. Now we're off to like. Are we Senator going back Hassan's or not? Probably not going to play this mm-hmm. show. For, tell somebody to listen to the show. All right, we're going back. Okay, Bonnie Burns. What's new? Hi, Adam. Well, I was really... <laughs> fuck you, Tony. What, what is going on? In fact, go fuck all you people. What? 
funny. I can't believe you just said that. We're going to have a senator oh, okay. on the show today, and you just said, go fuck all you people. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right, let's try to re-rack this a little bit, Bonnie. I don't know okay, where that re-rack. came from, but um, what's new, Bonnie? Well, you know, I was really dreading you calling on me because I'm worried because we have the senator on this week that I'm going to say something inappropriate. And Well, you already have. She... Yeah. No, what, about... have what was the inappropriate thing? The uh, fuck uh, you go all. Go fuck all you guys, I think was what you said. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's because Adam got bumped off the call and then he came back on and he wanted us to start all over again. And I'm not good at, we all know I'm not good at, you know, acting. So you were laughing at me, so I said, fuck you. Oops. No, you know what? And That's... I just did it again. <laughs> no, that is not true that you're not good at acting. Your work in the killing fields was some of the best I've ever seen. Oh, my seen. God. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember Bonnie in that, in that Malkovich film? Fantastic. I, Sam Watterson, I, Bonnie Burns, and John Malkovich. Fantastic movie from the 80s. Well, that's fantastic. So I was trying to figure out, was there something I could bring up that wouldn't be offensive? Yeah. Like, I was watching Perry Mason for a while, because that's a show Paula really likes. And just to, like, not see the news and not watch Trump, I tried watching Perry Mason. But honestly, Paula, I mean, it's pretty easy to start figuring out on most of those episodes. Maybe it's just the later ones who did it. That's not why. Like some of them are go- really good, maybe like when he's really younger. But as they get older, I mean, they only have like five characters in every episode. And it's pretty easy to start figuring out like one of those people is going to be who did it. I don't watch uh, the old Perry Masons in order to figure out who did it. I don't know. It's an overall experience. It's it's layered in Della and Paul and... Uh, it, it's, but it's not about like challenging myself to figure out who did it. I mean, that's right. You don't, you don't take a bath to figure out if you're going to get wet. Exactly. I have no, no idea what that means. In I don't terms either. of carrying your interest, like, yeah, you know, that there could be some compelling thing to keep you watching. You know, okay, so, I have to so say Bonnie, something when I to you, Bonnie. you. What? Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Coppola. I'm well, sorry. After after however many, what have we been together? 26 years now. Bonnie's been my manager. I can tell yeah. you that um, I, 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 I could carry a thousand gallons of water easier than I could carry your interest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll say this. When I look at it, it's a mix of feeling a certain fondness because, you know, very fond of you besides being your manager. And I think, oh, I think Apollo when I watch this. And at the same time, no offense, I think, yeah, I know these put her to sleep when she's in the hotel room. And how could she sit through this? Okay. I don't really think that. I don't really think that. I don't really think that. I'm sure she enjoys these. I love oh, the old okay. Perry Masons. Love them. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. so we ask you what's new, and what you want to say is that 50-year-old TV show that Paula likes, you're not a fan. It, I was in the beginning. Uh, the women are very stylish. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I like Della. I uh, like Della. I like Paul. I like all those guys. It's just after a while, the stories. Like, okay, am, one of the five. I am pleased yeah. to say that you are not holding my interest in this conversation. 
Okay. You know, uh, I'll uh, say goodbye. Oh, I'll um, say goodbye, but I'm glad you circled around. I hope I didn't hurt your feelings, Paula. I really, no, I still record I Perry Mason. I didn't make Perry Mason. I'm not in Perry Mason, although my cat was the hairstylist. Okay. It's no Columbo, let's just say. All right. I can't believe this is what we're talking about. But okay. Yeah. Okay. You're right. <laughs> this is the, this is No, you know why, Adam? Because current events are just so atrocious now. Like you it's can't true. it's it's too painful to talk about current events. And so people tend to just sort of slip off into Perry Mason. And by the way, why would HBO make a new Perry Mason? That's just stupid. Did you watch it? No, no I I will not is watch it. Good? It's sacrilege. I haven't either. I like I, it. I, I don't I watch the first episode. Interesting. I don't Thank even you, Tony. I don't even get HBO. I don't either. No. I you know why? Well, it because stands for I have, Home Box um, Office. It's a network. I have I have um uh, it, I get dyslexic cable, so I get HOB. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hob. Yeah, and what's on Hob all, this month? I get Hob and it's all mixed up. Nothing is on at the time it says it's going to be. Uh, uh, Adam Vilma. Adam Vilma. Oh, it's Mrs. Culpepper, our favorite denuded hand puppet. It is in his eye, Mrs. Mrs. Culpepper, as you know, with the stay-at-home order. I noticed you hadn't asked me what I've been doing. Uh, as you know, Adam, <laughs> with the stay-at-home order, I have been stuck for long periods of time with Paula Poundstone. And it yes. has been uh, difficult. I, I do not enjoy her cats. They got fur on my ruby sateen dress. However, well, I have I'm, discovered... I'm... Yes, I'm sorry that you're sheltering in place with Paula Poundstone, uh, Mrs. Culpepper. I I would imagine that that you'd have a better time if you would just shelter, snuggle in with Captain Culpepper. Captain Captain Culpepper Adam Felber is not uh, with us any longer. Oh, oh! I didn't realize you two were splits. Okay, sorry. No, we're not split. That's not it. He's passed away. He passed away a long time ago, Adam Felber. Oh. You know, in the back of my mind, I knew that. We just hadn't talked about it in so long that I guess it slipped my mind. I, I do apologize for bringing up that painful memory, Mrs. Culpepper. Well, it is a bit of a painful memory, quite frankly. You know, he passed away many years ago uh, uh, from uh, tarotoxism. Uh, oh. It's a, it's a poisoning of, uh, from uh, dairy products or, or, or a, a cheese. Uh, it's oh, a so, poisoning. So, so, so something like a turned French onion dip might have done in the captain. No, it was not that. It was uh, a cheese. That's what. Oh, so it. so maybe like a fettuccine Alfredo, a, che- a creamy cheese sauce. It was the good of the goddam, Adam Felber. <laughs> that's that's what di- I have to tell you, Adam. Though uh, I, I I have uh, discovered that uh, Paula Poundstone and I have a love of language in common. Uh, so oh. I've been listening to all of the episodes of Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. And although oh, you have. I have. And although mine was not an exiguous uh, vocabulary to begin with, it has continued to develop as a result. I am a self-identified opsmath. Oh, yes. I must, I must say love of language and appreciation of Tony Anita Hall may be the majority of what I have in common with Paula Poundstone. <laughs> She is a challenge. She can cavil. I'll tell you that. Well, just the other day, she was angry with me because I put her electricity bill in the cat litter box, 
Well, she told me, clear as a bell, put this in the litter box. She said, well, turns out she meant letter box. It was a lapsus <laughs> lingue. She, she would not admit it, though. She became inimical. And anything I could say was nugatory. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really sorry to, to hear that, that extremely um, uh, well-phrased and high, high vocabulary level uh, tale of woe. It sounds like you're in a bit of an abusive relationship with Paula Poundstone, I have to say. Well, she's, she's uh, you know, I think she's highly OCD, and that makes her challenging to live with, uh, you know, when she's not uh, uh, stepping sideways and then backwards. She's really quite pleasant, but uh, most of the time... <laughs> stepping you know, sideways things... and then backwards? Oh, yes, she'll do that. Yes, yes, she's a, she, <laughs> okay. you know, we all have OCD, but she can be, uh, you know, especially difficult with it. Uh, I, I, I have, I have witnessed that. Yes. Uh, hey, it's me, Paul Ponsor. I have a vocabulary word and this is, well, uh, that's oh, great, I'm Paul, so because you've glad, been... uh, it's going to make Mrs. Culpepper, it'll finally please her, um, uh, it's an unpredictable world, of course, but one of the things that you can count on in this world is is a word from me. Um, this week's word is parlous. Parlous. An adjective, an adjective of mostly old or humorous use that means dangerously uncertain or precarious. Here, I'll, I'll use it in a sentence. My Please chair do, is Paula. once again. Uh, thank you. My chair is once again on the parlous perch of my treadmill. Well, that's right? that's absolutely yes. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was wonderful. Yeah, that because oh, you your chair a, is on the yes, it is. I back it up uh, so that one false move and and over I go. Uh, also, you know, one of the things I've been doing, and I think it's helped Mrs. Culpepper. It has. I, I think it's helped Mrs. Culpepper. Um, is that I've been putting my vocabulary words into uh, the vocabulary song. Um, yes, uh, that's it's a, quite a song. I love it. I love the vocabulary song. It has been. It has developed my vocabulary. Um, yeah. Maybe. All right. Hold on. I have to get my um, Glockenspiel. You know, now that you and Mrs. Culpepper are actually having conversations with each other, I might mm -hmm. just kind of step out for a while. No, don't do that, Adam Felber. Don't leave me here with Paula Poundstone, please. Um, <laughs> All right, Mrs. Culpepper. Oh, my Lord. Uh-oh. There we there go. There you go. Uh, uh, all right, here we go. Here we go. This this week's word is parlous. It's an adjective from old use or humor. It means dangerously uncertain, precarious, like a maskless idiot with the virus. Last week's <laughs> word was incommodious. It's an adjective that means causing discomfort or inconvenience, like when the meter maid doesn't show any lenience. The week before that, we had kazooistry. It's a noun that means the use of clever but false reasoning. It's not wrong to eat meat if you use seasoning. Going back before that, we had augury. It's a noun that means a sign of what? 
what will happen in the future, an omen. After the Seder, the kids are going to find the Afikomen. And not long ago, we had Kevil. It's a verb that means make trivial complaints or objections. I don't want a condom on my boyfriend's erections. Let's never forget Gullimafri, which I pronounced strong until nobody James Heider corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge. Who's Podge? Hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, 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 but I do, I do, I do, I do. All right, whoopee. That was was some amazing, amazing uh, singing there, Paula. Whoa, whoa. That may have been my best, honestly. Yeah, it was. I mean, I don't know who's keeping score anymore, but uh, yeah, that was great. I don't know if it could possibly carry Bonnie Burns' interest, but that's a big challenge. (laughs) Look, your 50-year-old television isn't going to do it. Your vocabulary song ain't going to do it. Erudite, though it is, and it is is making um, uh, Mrs. Culpepper a a, a more educated and erudite person. Oh, it is. Uh, Yeah, boy. I can't even believe (laughs) anybody wouldn't like the old Paramasons. just doesn't make any sense. You know, you know who what? hated them, and I know no, he... I didn't say I didn't like them. Oh, you, you did. Exactly. You, you kind of did, Bonnie. <laughs> yeah. I and mean, remember it, when she was trying to be careful not to say anything offensive because it was a show that a <laughs> senator was going to be on, and her yeah, opening I, words were, fuck all of you? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't imagine a better setup for a senator on our show. We've, we've managed to have Bonnie say, fuck all of you, and Paula say that nobody wants to talk about current events. Welcome, Senator. Yeah, yeah. This is, you know what? This is, this is fertile ground for any uh, politician. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of politicians, hello, Adam Ferber. It is our French Trump announcing to you nobodies that I have indeed read my briefing papers and will demonstrate my knowledge of the Russians at another French Trump presidential press conference mini-podcast that drops each week on Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time. There is a three-hour time difference, which I calculated with new computer and new scratch paper because I am a very stable genius. All right. Well, French Trump, uh, uh, how are those press conferences going? I mean, this has been a trying time for all of us. Oh, the every Friday I talk to the enemy of the paper. It's very difficult, but I do it, Adam. I do it. I do it for the people. I, I do it for the flag. I love the flag. You love the plague? This is a flag, you fool. The flag. You, you love the flag. I love the flag. Didn't do. Have you not seen the video, Adam Felbert, of me hugging the flag? I wouldn't call it hugging, but I have seen it. Well, what was I doing if I was not hugging it? Was I? It honestly looks like you were. Ge- it looks like you were gently humping it. No, I do not hump gently, Adam Felbert. That's not what I was doing. <laughs> All right. Okay. Please welcome Senator Hassan. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I know. There's like no. What else could possibly make this a, a less hospitable environment? You know what it reminds me of when I was learning to drive. Um, my parents, for the most part, refused to take me to learn to drive. Like other people did it. 
But every now and then, my father would, you know, and I can remember this one time, there was glass up, like, in the center of the road. Somebody had broken a bottle. It was in the center of the road. And I remember my father saying to me, see that glass up there? I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, don't don't go over that glass. And, of course, in a few seconds, you hear, like, crunch, crunch. I drove straight over the glass. And it's because once it was pointed out to me, I somehow couldn't turn the wheel and I had to go into the center of the road to hit it, too. But once it was pointed out to me, it attracted me like a magnet. And I think it's the same thing. Like, the more I try to be presentable, the, right. the worse I am. Right. You'd yeah. be a terrible witness in a high crime. Because you'd all oh. perjure yourself all the time, right? You know what? That reminds me. Um, what? Are we getting a new intern? Um, you know what? We should open that up to nobody's out there. If you happen to be in the area and you don't um, mind what happened to, um, well, not mind, but don't think what's happened to Doug, our intern Doug is going to happen to you. We're, we're certainly open for it now because we are, as a lot of you know, and a lot of you've been commenting online, we're down an intern. Yeah. We lost yeah. Doug. And there's yeah. a lot of you who are insinuating that because we'd never mentioned Doug before, that we had merely invented him and his murder as a cheap ploy to become one of those true crime podcasts. But nothing could be further from the cl- truth. And we are getting closer and closer to the truth about Doug's uh, Doug's passing every every week. It doesn't sound like something we would do, a cheap ploy. No, absolutely not. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all I can say is that this is this is no Perry Mason. Not only doesn't Bonnie Burns know who killed Doug the intern, uh, we recently learned that Doug's last name was Burns. Oh, yeah, that's that's yeah. a little close to yeah. the bone. You know, I was thinking. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I don't know because we had the great uh, marketing genius Seth Godin on a couple of weeks ago. And yes. uh, and he had made some suggestions about uh not, it's not that he made suggestions so much. He was telling us uh, marketing philosophies that were really inspirational, actually. Um, but I was thinking, and maybe this goes against the grain of what Seth told us, that we should just change the name of the podcast to Cheap Ploy. Oh, Cheap Ploy with Paula Poundstone? <laughs> yeah. Do you think? <laughs> <laughs> that that sounds fantastic. Yeah, I think... Uh, why wouldn't that? Why wouldn't that get listeners? Cheap ploy with uh, Paula Poundstone. No reason yeah. why it wouldn't. I think it should be called yeah. Cheap Ploy with Paula Poundstone: colon, Who killed Doug? Yeah, yeah. Just keep them hanging <laughs> on the edge of their seats. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if it can carry Bonnie Burns's interest. I don't know. Bonnie Bonnie Burns can't even stay interested in the in the case of Doug's murder, or else she's feigning disinterest because she had something to do with it. Oh, that well. could be. Because I got to say, the last email that Doug was a part of was we were trying to plan, a, I think, a movie review episode. And uh, I think uh, Doug said something, made some kind of joke. And Bonnie's response was, fuck you, Doug. I'll fucking kill you. That was. And ooh, I don't know if ooh. that's a clue. I don't know if that's a clue. I'll tell um, you. What it suggests to me is that she's a little manic. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Because you know, of- she's usually she's usually so kind, and then these little you know spikes of rage. Yeah. Well, we huh. all heard her fly off the handle just about twenty minutes ago on this very show. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that if if anybody's likely to fly into a murderous rage that we've heard on this show, 
yeah. it would be Bonnie Burns and her. Yeah, and by the way, there son? was a handle. There was a handle at the crime scene. Uh, there was just a handle laying there. Um, a handle. And, uh, yeah. A handle, and the detectives were saying like someone might have <laughs> I see. someone might have flown off of this. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it, it's They're rare probably, when you find a. It's rare Dustin, when you find a, any such clear cut evidence of a crime of passion. <laughs> it's a handle. That's an actual right there. handle. Yeah. 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 She. They're dusting it for prints now. I think. Um, yeah. That's. Do you think probably it was planned? Why. I don't know. Look at this cuff. <laughs> we found a cuff right next to the handle um, Okay <laughs> Coming up, Will Rogers said About all I can say for the United States Senate Is that it opens with a prayer and closes with an investigation We'll hear from a real senator About what life is like in the Senate For real When we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of a midsummer night's dream okay and i played i played peter quince there there's the connection one of the mechanicals that's a great connection also yes has nothing to do with this which is that um quince is an online clothing store and as you know paula i've uh, i've lost a little weight lately oh right 75 pounds yeah so i literally have no clothes that are in my size until i just ordered some stuff at quince and i figured like here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself a whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kind of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? 
They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing. They cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress match in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. 
That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, Oprah Winfrey said, Oh, oh, excuse me, I'm so tired. I was up all night trying to think of another cover pose. (laughs) Thank you, house band Jay Clannon. Thanks, Jay. Fantastic. It, it, he is fantastic, and we really appreciate all the nobodies who are chipping in to be our house band during these troubled times. Um, anyway, Paula, uh, you had a super interesting high school friend. You know what? I was so lucky. The high school I went to uh, seemed to spawn all sorts of interesting people. But well, right, right. we them... have mentioned John, John and John from They Might Be Giants went to, yes, went but... to school with you in Lincoln. But more importantly, I went to school with the now junior senator uh, from New Hampshire, Maggie Hassan. And before she was the senator from New Hampshire, she ran for governor and served as governor. And before that, she was in the state Senate. And you know what? I had the absolute joy. She had asked me at one point if I would do like a fundraiser, one of those backyard cheese and wine things, you know. Right. And uh, there's nothing like backyard cheese. No, it's the best. It was the first time I had seen her in that capacity. And uh, so, you know, I stood up and did some jokes. And then uh, I think I introduced her to make a speech. And and when I listened to her speech, I literally, literally my hair stood on end because... It was electrifying? It Here's why it was electrifying, uh-huh. though, Adam. I, I'm a Democrat, and I support all sorts of... Democrats, and I've listened to all sorts of Democratic speeches, but I always listen thinking, well, you know, they might be exaggerating. Well, that, you know, that might be just what we want to hear. But see, when I listened to Maggie Hassan talk, because I know her from way back, I knew that every single word she was saying was true. And she was talking about how, you know, things were more manageable than we realized and that you could do this and still balance the budget. And it was electrifying, just like you said. Wow. Well, you know, I consider us fortunate that you guys have remained friends and that she's willing to tell us about life as a U.S. senator. She served in the New Hampshire Senate where she was majority leader, and then in 2012, as Paula said, was elected governor of the Granite State. In 2016, she was elected to the United States Senate, where she sits on the Finance Committee, the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee, and the Committee on Homeland Security. Nobody's, please welcome Senator Maggie Hassan. Well, it is really nice to be on with you guys. And and Paula, now that you've um, said those nice things, we can just end the whole interview and and, uh, and call it a night. It's not getting any better than this. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everything from here on in, Senator, is a media trap. <laughs> there you go. That's exactly what I was expecting. <laughs> so, Senator, what do you know and when did you know it? 
<laughs> you know, nobody has asked me that yet in the Senate, which may be like a good sign. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't want to hear those words. Yeah. That's not a, a good sign. Um, so, Senator Hassan, let me ask you this. Is being a senator what you thought it would be? Um, sometimes there are parts of it that, yes, are kind of how I pictured it. And then there are parts of it uh, that aren't at all. Um, first and foremost, it's just it's an incredible honor because uh, even with um, this particularly tumultuous, difficult, awful time we are in, um, you do get to listen to the people of your state and do your best uh, to really represent their interests. And people really share, um, they share their hopes and their dreams and very personal information with you with the hope that you can then not only help them, but help other people uh, by knowing their story and, and trying to um, make progress in whatever they're talking to you about. Uh, but then there are moments, you know, that the United States Senate can't even seem to move um, yeah. you know, a bill that 99% of the country wants us to pass. And those are the moments you're just kind of like, what's going on here and and how did we get to this let me drill down on that a little bit because you know uh, the senate has is, has been in the federal government one of my two favorite institutions i've always loved the supreme court and the senate but around the time you came in is when some really you know big warning signs were appearing in the senate do you feel like it's still the world's greatest deliberative body or have has the infighting just rendered it uh, useless well i i i don't know that I would put uh, put it just the way you just did, but here's the, the concern. <laughs> I would yeah. Here's the yeah, yeah. Would I, you well, use wasn't, instead wasn't that senatorial of me. Um but I I think what I would say is this that um, I always admired the Senate enormously too and uh, I think it's a really, really important um, institution because it has always operated um, with the assumption that things are better if you can get bipartisan agreement and um, uh, have more than one perspective uh, as you're solving problems. Sure. And because the size of it also allows you to get to know each other well, and it's those relationships and that trust and the, the reminders that you may be from very different states and have different political philosophies, but you do have things in common that really um, allow you to break through disagreements and, and get things done. And that, that's been my experience throughout my time in public service. Um, but one of the things that has happened, and we saw it um, right before I got elected with um, Senate Majority Leader McConnell's decision uh, to hold that Supreme Court seat open, you know, Obama the had nominated thing, yeah. the Merrick Garland thing. And, I have to interrupt, yeah. Senator, just to say this. Grrr! Yeah, and, <laughs> okay, and, and um, the majority leader's willingness to do that, to really decide he wasn't going to do what the Constitution says uh, he and the Senate were supposed to do, uh, really has set a tone. And the senators who have been here um, for, for a couple of uh, terms, for instance, tell me that we used to be a truly deliberative body. Um, a Senate majority leader would uh, decide to bring a bill onto the floor and we would actually have debates on the floor. You know, people would offer amendments, they would go back and forth, they would come to compromises and they would pass bills with active debate on the floor. Uh, now more and more, um, 
happens behind closed doors and the majority leader doesn't bring anything forward, uh, at least most of the time, that he doesn't feel that he knows the result for. Right. Um, and he has a lot of control over whether there can even be amendments offered. Um, so it's, it, it's a really frustrating time. Uh, and it's one of the reasons that, you know, I, I think people really need to pay attention to what people are um, saying they are doing and what they are actually doing. And right now, you know, the House of Representatives, um, which is in Democratic hands at the moment, has passed over 250 bills, uh, many of which, most of which are bipartisan bills yep. that yep. the Senate has refused to take up. And a, a lot of them are, um, you, you know, they, they are things about election security or um, reauthorizing the Violence Against Women Act. These are things that the American people support, uh, and yet we are bringing them up. And so that is very frustrating. Is there any- It is frustrating. Is there any getting it back? I mean, what my perception is, is that, you know, it's really hard to claw back comedy and stuff like that in, in, in politics, because if the Democrats take the Senate, God willing, in 2020, are the Democrats likely to do pull that same crap that McConnell has pulled, or is there is there a movement on or willingness amongst the, enough senators to actually go back to being what it was beforehand? You know, I think it would surprise a lot of your listeners to know that um, on a personal level, a lot of the senators get along really well, cross party lines. Right. Um, you know, the, the, it would surprise me. The, the women in the Senate from both parties, uh, this is all pre-pandemic, obviously, but about every other month we have dinner together. We don't talk about the job. We talk about our families or, uh, you know, things about our states. But we really spend the time trying to get to know each other a bit. Um, I spend time uh, with members of both parties in a weekly prayer breakfast, which you know, is really about a time to reflect and, again, not talk about specific bills or uh, committee assignments, but just to talk about priorities and what's important on a personal level. So I do think it is possible for us to get back to a time um, where uh, we trust each other enough to have open debate uh, and um, try to get to yes um, through the process of competing ideas and debate. I have a great idea, though. Yes. Okay. You know how there's like a there's like a Senate or, you know, a chaplain and like yep. with the. OK, why not have a Senate um, marriage counselor? Oh, my. A marriage so, counselor? Yeah. It so was- that these two groups that have to work together can find a way uh, because there's something going on that's causing this rift. And I was just thinking while you were talking that when you said it's going to take work, you know, and I don't know this from personal experience because I, I've uh, never been married. Hallelujah. But uh, but my understanding is that a marriage requires work on both sides and it has to be two people that want it to work. That's such and a democratic this- solution, Paula. To get it's a very, to get senators to share their feelings, you know what? I, I will. I would rephrase. I, I would. I would say this: that um, putting aside the marriage analogy for a minute, one of the things that you know, one of Paula, Paula, uh, one yes. of the things that um, that we do 
we are able to do is um, there are bipartisan bills in the Senate that actually pass, like on things like cybersecurity. Um, I, I've worked with members on both sides of the aisle. I'm working with Bill Cassidy, who's a Republican from Louisiana, on this issue of surprise medical bills. And we have, we're, we, we've been getting good bipartisan agreement on things. And one of my observations- Did you know that Senator, did you notice that Senator Cassidy already knew what you were going to say because he hacked you? Did you notice that? <laughs> no. Um, but, but what I will say is that my, what I have learned, and this this is a little bit like, you know, relationships, is that- once you do something together and you're successful and it works out, that kind of builds trust and confidence that you can take on something a little bit bigger and mm-hmm. you can solve that and it will work out. And that's, you, you get these um, legislating pairs sometimes. In, it happened in the state Senate. There were a couple of Republicans I worked a lot with on certain issues because once you realize that you've had some success, you, you feel like maybe you can build on that. And that's what I think uh, we'll need to continue to do. All right. I have another idea then. Um, On our podcast, sometimes we have a a sponsor called KiwiCo, and they uh, have projects for kids to do. So what if, say, you, Senator Hassan, chose a Republican that you would like to pass some legislation with or, or make a good bill with, and you guys built a birdhouse together so that you could see that you were able to do something together. And then and then it went on to be, uh, a uh, say, for example, uh, a, a police brutality bill. So, so, so now like, we're moving. So now we're moving from a marriage analogy to kind of a nursery school one. Would you build a birdhouse with, say, <laughs> Senator Fisher or something? Um, I, Senator Fisher and I get along quite well, and I, I'm not sure we're going to be. I, I'm, I'm oh, you don't need to build a birdhouse. Would react. I, 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 I'm trying to think of how our staffs would react to like. I need time to build a birdhouse with another senator. Yeah, oh, yeah, keep the staffs out of it. This yeah, really has to yeah, be senator that's fair. to senator. That's fair. Let me ask you this. Earlier you said that one of the things you liked about um, being a senator, like being a governor, was that you were able to uh, help people in your state with issues. Now, I have occasionally um, called senators that aren't my senator. They're not even from my state. Just to say, look, I know I'm not in your state. But this is how I feel about this, and I just wanted you to know. Um, I don't talk to them directly, obviously, but left a, a phone message. Does that have any effect? It, it has less effect if you're talking to a senator uh, who's not from your state. Um, you know, our, our job is to represent our state. So I always say to people, it's best to call the senators from your own state. But it's also, you know, there are times people from other parts of the country weigh in on things, and certainly. Um, when they have um, a different perspective on something I'm working on, um, I, I think it's really helpful. Um, but sort of, but you're generally, still, but you, you, but, Paula but look, should our knock job it off. Is, uh, well, I would never <laughs> say that to Paula because the, the calls might be so engaging. Okay. Um, knock no, it off, not. I barely, I barely <laughs> hold my manager's interest. She told me to do it. Um. <laughs> let's get to, let's get to uh, the, 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 the well-known evils uh, that that impede Senate uh, and see if they really are that evil. Like, we're trained to believe that lobbyists are bad. Are they all bad? Are there any good ones? 
So I'm going to give you an example of a lobbying group that is a great lobbying group. They are called the Little Lobbyists. And these are children who have had complex medical issues um, and disabilities, uh, many of whom cost, you know, their, their medical bills in their first year of life uh, exceeded a million dollars. And yeah. they travel with their families to the Capitol to advocate for health care for everybody so that all families are protected should they face challenges like theirs. And at the height of the, remember back in the summer of 17, um, the Republicans controlled the White House, the House, and the Senate, and oh, they yes. were dead set on repealing the Affordable Care Act. And the little lobbyists came to town. And first of all, I just got to tell you, um, you know, your listeners may or may not know this, but I have a son who has um, pretty severe and significant cerebral palsy. So right. I am quite familiar with uh, how hard it can be just to get out of the house and get to school or the grocery store when a loved one has sure. a lot of uh, special needs and equipment and all that kind of stuff. And um, these families, um, children with oxygen tanks and tracheotomies, children with wheelchairs, children with braces or crutches, uh, children uh, who might have a more of what we sometimes call invisible disabilities, but they and their families came from all around the country and lobbied literally around the clock to protect the Affordable Care Act. That's the power of grassroots organizing and grassroots lobbying. And you know, the, the, the term has kind of taken on a different meaning. And yes, there are some lobbyists who um, you know, are, are representing um, bad and special interests and uh, you know, we need to do more to reform the system so uh, they don't uh, have the kind of influence that they sometimes have. But at the end of the day, um, what I always encourage people to think about is one of the good things about the internet is that it allows people to organize on a grassroots level and it allows people to find like-minded folks with similar uh, concerns and really advocate for them very powerfully. And these little lobbyists do it. And I am convinced it is uh, this group along with a number of other uh, groups and uh, grassroots wow. Americans who came forward and just said, this is what healthcare means to us. This is the difference the Affordable Care Act makes in my life. Uh, and people from all walks of life, and sometimes it was little lobbyists, sometimes it was people with substance use disorders who got coverage because of Medicaid expansion under the Affordable Care Act. Right. Uh, but Boy, um, their well, power no, you, in this you moment broke out, was You phenomenal. broke out the big guns with the little lobbyists, uh, no, no doubt. But, Senator, th but isn't some of this, like, I mean, isn't... Wait, there's an airplane going by. Hold it. Um, now I'm being surveilled. Um, isn't some of this obvious? I, I just don't understand any kind of lawmaker that doesn't get the importance of the Affordable Care Act? Like, why would you take that away? What, like, are there members of Congress that need to be told that? Apparently, yes. <laughs> um, because of the way they, I mean, it, look, it is, it is really hard. You know, my, my grandmother always said, you know, if you have your health, you have everything. Yeah. And it's true. Um, it doesn't mean you don't need to work to, get other things too, but the foundation is health. And that's obviously what we're seeing during the pandemic too. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. By the way, I want you to know this about your grandmother. Um, that expression was used on a commercial. She didn't write that. And if she pretended to you that she did, uh, it's not right. Wow. Uh, Paula, wow. you're that, dropping that, that truth is bombs. Just, that is just, <laughs> you know, that is shattering. Oh, see, well, you, you've shattered I, a and, senator, Paula. You happy? Uh, 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 senator Hassan, I'm so excited to call you that, by the way. I love that. Um, uh, can you can you explain Citizens United? I know that's a big lift, but and and its effects. Yeah. Um, so it's a really good question. So um, wait, hold it. Stop for one second while I open this soda. OK, now. OK, cool. Um, so. Back in 2010, the Supreme Court decided this case called Citizens United. Now, even before 2010, we were having important and, um, you know, appropriate discussions about the influence of money in politics, right? Um, we sh shouldn't allow money to sway political positions, should have less influence in politics. So yeah, bunch of lawsuits about that, but they culminate in this Supreme Court decision where the United States Supreme Court decided that for the purposes of campaign finance um, and speech, corporations are people. Yeah. And they decided that people have First Amendment rights, so corporations have First Amendment rights, and that First Amendment rights include uh, the ability to spend unlimited amounts of money on the political campaign or issue of your choice. And what that decision really did was say that a corporation or any individual can spend unlimited amounts of money on a candidate or on an issue, and they can spend it without telling anybody who's really funding it. Yeah. And what it resulted in, so if you, around election time, uh, if you are sick to death of the, you know, 17 different kinds of commercials for or against something or somebody I am. all all funded by groups that call themselves you know Americans who love Americans or something like that right right um, and you just and you see these the ads are omnipresent they're usually pretty negative um, and they just keep coming and coming that is the result of Citizens United. It's unlimited money to being spent. It's also undisclosed donors, so you right. can't figure out who's behind it and why they are against or for something. And um, it drowns out um, the voices of other people who don't have those kind of resources. And so uh, it's really, it has been a terrible decision for our country and for our democracy. And it's one of the things that, uh, we want to try to attend to uh, should we get the majority in uh, November. But that, uh, that brings are, up kind of an interesting yeah. question, which is, is how do you attend to it? I, I look at it when you get a disastrous Supreme Court decision like Citizens United or or the recent gutting of the Voting Rights Act, which proved out right. to be they were very wrong about that problem being taken care of down south. Um once the Supreme Court has ruled, what options do our does our legislature have short of a constitutional amendment? What can be done to roll back uh, the Citizens United decision? Well, you know, the ultimate um, fix here is a constitutional amendment, which, as sure. you indicate, is really hard to do. Um, but mm -hmm. you could start, for instance, um, by requiring disclosure of donors. Um, and that is something that even in the Citizens United case... Uh, Judge Scalia said was okay. 
that that states and the federal government could say you get to spend as much as you want, but you have to tell people who's spending. Um, so you could start there. Uh, and mm-hmm. then there are a series of other ideas, and it's something a lot of uh, different election law and um, campaign finance and First Amendment uh, lawyers have been uh, drilling into. But uh, you know, one of the most basic things you could do is at least provide people information about who's behind um, all these big buys. Yeah. How now? How does the Citizens United uh, decision? How does it affect you as a senator? So um, I ran for the Senate back in 2016. Uh, I was running against um, an incumbent Republican senator, and um, the total amount of spending in our race, this is New Hampshire, 1.3 million people. But of course, we have a Boston media market, so that's an expensive media market. A lot of people in southern New Hampshire watch Boston TV. Sure. Um, and uh, we spent uh, the total spending, not what my campaign or my opponent's campaign spent, although that was part of it. The total spending on our campaign was north of $125 million. What? Wow. Yeah. And, and how so, many voters were there? How many votes uh, total? What, 700,000 or so? Oh, my. Wow, those are, wow. Yeah. So, so, it's, so it's, 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 it's more than 100 bucks per vote. Yeah, it's it's it is ridiculous. And so what happens is, you know, we're kind of in this arms race for campaign funds Mm -hmm. and it's um, not healthy. Um, And we all learn to um, manage uh, through it. But um, when you think of how that money could be spent on other things. Honestly, right. um, you know, I, I sometimes do think that if we said to voters, hey, if you vote for this constitutional amendment, you won't see nearly as many political ads on TV. They might. Oh, that would be some you know, great. They, they, they might say, hey, that's not a bad idea. Oh, it would be worth it to me anyways. But it would be <laughs> worth it to me just to get the emails off my thing. I could, one more email of everyone blaming me for their. You know, I got one the other day that said, we've asked you and asked you. That was the subject line. Yeah, that was from me, Paula. Oh, man. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought I thought it might have been from one of my kids. That was from me. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Oh, was it? My mistake. Um, Hubert Humphrey said, the Senate is a place filled with goodwill and good intentions, and if the road to hell is paved with them, then it's a pretty good detour. Stay tuned to hear more inside scoop on the world's greatest deliberative body. The Cat of the Week is Ace from Fairbanks, Alaska. Adam, you know I have a house full of cats and a couple of big dogs. So I have this one cat who every night likes to stand in the hallway and yowl. And he has kind of a, a little bit like me because uh, of allergies, I don't know why he has it, but his name is Theo and he has a really grovelly voice. So he'll, it's, it's hard to describe it. I can't do a good impression, um, but it's a little dusty, gravelly voice. Okay. So earlier I was laying on the living room floor cause I'm exhausted and I'm wearing a nylon fiber filled vest. As I'm laying on the floor, Theo shoves his head through one sleeve of the vest and crawls up and is now stuck inside 
in between my back and the vest and is yowling <laughs> because he can't get out. And then finally his head comes out the other sleeve and he goes out. What's not to love? That's what I say. What is not to love? Which brings me to this. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. Your pet is part of your family. You know that already. And you want the best for them no matter what. But vet bills can really add up. Go ahead, ask me. That's why you should check out pet insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. That's a lot of pets. True. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash Paula. That's ASPCA. We spell that A-S-P-C-A. PetInsurance.com slash Paula. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. And we're back with Paula's friend from high school, Maggie, also known as Senator Maggie Hassan. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks so much. Um, so, uh, Senator Hassan, you know what? That brings tears to my eyes. I, I, I swear to you. All right. So how did you know? So you're governor, and I'm sure there was a learning curve there, too. But you get, you know, finally on the Wednesday, it turns out, yes, you are the junior senator of uh, from New Hampshire, and now you go to the Senate. How do you know how to be a senator? Well, um, among other things, um, they have an orientation for new senators. It's, oh, really? It's it's a whirlwind, um, but it is helpful because it you, you get to you get to D.C. and it's everything from you know kind of what are the procedural rules of the Senate? Um, what are the you know. Uh, overall kind of, you know, the decorum rules of the Senate. Uh, how do, do you they still have you? some of those? Yeah, they do. Um, how do you find your way around the Capitol? Because it's really big and there are tunnels. And if you're walking underground in the tunnels, you lose your, if you're me, you lose mm -hmm. your sense of direction. And there's lots and lots of different rooms. So some of it is like just physically figuring out where you are and how long it's going to take you to get to things. Mm -hmm. um, and then they kind of go over what the procedure is in hearings and um, and then there's some socializing. And meanwhile, you got to find a place to live and you're trying to get to know your other senators. And um, it's but it's helpful. And, you know, you you get advice from incumbent senators about how to structure your office and uh, what the process is for introducing a bill and all that kind of stuff. Uh, uh -huh. and you also try to get some staff who have worked in the Senate for a while so that they 
they can help provide um, experience and guidance to. Do you ever, when you were trying to find your way around, um, was it like the first few days of being a freshman high schooler where like a more uh, experienced senator would just find you crying in a hallway and you would say, I can't, I can't find the office. Oh, well, you know, you have your moments, but um, <laughs> I've got to know which senator was your go to for like finding out the best places to eat. Um, I have to say there are a number who have good suggestions, but you don't have a lot of time to go out and eat. I mean, you know, so like you you're doing stuff uh, well into the evening. So oh, so um, it's like it's like TV I, eating. You order in. Yeah. Or, or, you know, there are places on the hill that are, that are really good. I mean, there are places really close to the Capitol where you'll meet up uh, to have, like, dinner with, with another senator. And they're very good restaurants, but they're, you know, you go to them because they're close. Right. Mm-hmm. Are there any other institutions in Washington uh, besides restaurants that you want to recommend now that you've spent a couple of years there? Um, yeah, look, if I had to choose one of the, uh, you know, hundreds, uh, uh, probably thousands of uh, institutions in Washington, D.C., um, memorials, uh, museums, et cetera. Uh, the place that is my go-to is the Library of Congress. Um, and uh, that is not intended to you know, diminish anything else, but um, it really is a cathedral to the idea of democratic small d education, the notion that if people have a chance to read and to learn uh, then our democracy flourishes. And wow. it's an extraordinary place. Uh, one of my favorite things, again, pre-pandemic, we have bipartisan um, what's called congressional dialogue evenings where uh, we have um, cocktails and dinner. Uh, we have uh, a display that the Library of Congress staff puts on that is related to a book that we're going to uh, hear about over the course of dinner. And then uh, they interview the author of the book um, about American history or the Constitution or something like that. Oh, I love that. And it's that. just well, phenomenal. I, I hope it's not a book about honeybees. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, that wouldn't be available thanks to Paula Poundstone, I'm told. Yeah, that, 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 that book has that been is, checked out for true. a while. That is true. But, you know, that's, um, you know, that, that, that's uh, kind of my favorite place. And then, um, you know, the, the, the other thing recently, um, with all the tumult going on and with all... Um, uh, the concerns we have right now. I found myself on a nice um, walk to the Lincoln Memorial uh, the other the other Sunday morning. Um, I think just to I, I wanted I wanted the grounding that that provides, you know. And that's the other thing about this this city uh, and this capital of ours. Um, there are lots of different places to go and reflect and think about what has strengthened us as a country. Uh, what has weakened us uh, and what we need to do to make it better. And, um, you know, having time to reflect at these remarkable places in this remarkable um, city and country of ours is, is a pretty special thing. Wow. That sounds so cool. I'm a little bit like that with the Vaughn's grocery store, which is really <laughs> the only place I go. Um, but if you go over in the cereal aisle um, and you get a minute, Unbelievable, just thinking about it. It's amazing how similar you two are in that regard. <laughs> well, thank you, Senator Hassan, for providing us with an insight into life on Capitol Hill. And now we're going to take that information that you were so kind to uh, give us and run it through the old pounce donator. Paula? House Ben J. Clannon, rock! 
rockin' the flugelhorn. If I can get a little bit of background music. Perfect. I'll tell you what my takeaways are. Senator Maggie Hassan has schooled me about what the world of a senator is all about. It's clear that the only way to save our democracy is by building relationships across the aisle. That's why I'm proposing summer camp for senators. If Dianne Feinstein and Mitch McConnell ran a three-legged race together, we might even get a constitutional amendment to address campaign finance reform. When Rand Paul and Elizabeth Warren emerge from the unmarked trails of a darkening forest, they'll have another COVID-19 relief package. Once Lamar Alexander and Amy Klobuchar make it back to shore in their kayak, we'll have an energy program that stops ravaging the earth. If Susan Collins had to belay Chuck Schumer while he rappelled down the side of a rock face after he did the same for her, we'd probably lose Chuck Schumer. So it won't always work, but in theory, it's worth a try. She is the senator from the great state of New Hampshire, and I'm as pleased as Paula that you were able to be here on the show. Thank you so much for being here, the Honorable Senator Maggie Hassan. Fun fact. The people of Washington, D.C. are not represented by any U.S. senators, but they are frequently elbowed by them. And we're back. Thank you, house band Jay Clannon. Treasured nobody on the flugelhorn. Thank you, Jay. Adam. Yes. I saw Sheila Buck's arrest outside Trump's Tulsa rally on a video. I was either watching, I can't remember, MSNBC or maybe it was just on Twitter, neither of which I can stop staring at. And it right. looked to me, it looked to me like she had done nothing wrong. The only reason it was not the most apparently outrageous thing I've ever seen is that presently we are pinned by a fire hose of outrages every day. Yes. And so I tweeted about the incident and Sheila Buck tweeted back to me and I imposed upon her to join us on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone to tell us. And I didn't ask her any of the details. I, I am. I will be learning along with you and the listeners. What yes, exactly far happened for to you her. as an interviewer to do research? No, I, you know what? I, <laughs> we did. I did. I did speak to her on the phone to okay. make sure that we were. But I specifically said to her, I go, you know what? Don't don't tell me everything now. I would like to learn it while you're. So that's where we are. So let's we're going to experience it. it with her. Yes. All right. Well, then let's welcome to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, Sheila Buck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. Thank you so much. Thank oh, you thanks. for being here. Um, so, Sheila. Yes. All right. So on the day of Trump's Tulsa rally, you, yes. you had a plan. What was your plan? Well, actually, my plan, originally, he was going to come on Juneteenth, uh -huh. which was the day before. Right. Right. And we did have a big celebration in Greenwood on Juneteenth. And I decided this year not to go to it because I did plan on going to the Black Lives Matter protest in Greenwood, 
which is about a mile away from the BOK Center, which mm-hmm. is where Trump was holding his rally. Mm-hmm. And I live two blocks away from the BOK Center. So my apartment's downtown within close proximity to, the, to Trump's rally. Uh-huh. So okay. I thought, oh, you know, he's invited me. I have tickets to go. I thought, I'm curious. I'd watched Secret Service and I had watched all the men with machine guns on their backs and right. just outside your window or just while just you were around for the wow. whole week uh-huh. the secret service they're they're beautiful people you know they're they're not like us oklahomans you watch that oh, my yeah, wife my wife is an okie and of course you know afghaners coming in for the trump rally mm-hmm. and sure. i signed up for tickets i thought okay this is my chance when are you ever going to live two blocks away from a campaign rally? Mm-hmm. It was going to be a big show. He promised us a big show. I was planning on wearing protection. I did not plan on going into the rally that night because people weren't going to be wearing masks. Nobody, right. nobody was wearing masks. And I was very concerned about it. I am a school teacher and, you know, I need to be prepared for school to open back up. Mm-hmm. So um, it was 11 o'clock and I had showered and I heard the Trump pro, you know, pro people in the streets cheering and clapping. And Trump said it was going to be a party and there were going to be a lot of bands and performances. And I thought, OK, I'm going to go walk down and take a look. Well, I didn't have a, you know, Corona virus, my ass diaper on or anything like that. (laughs) I saw that. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, I didn't have any of that type of outfit, but I thought, okay, I was a big fan of the television show, The Watchmen, which was set here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Fantastic show. Oh, loved it. I thought it was the best show of last year. I agree. Anyway, I wanted to try to get that Regina King vibe, you know, even though I'm lily white, but I put on (laughs) a a black dress and I looked for a little, you know, to see if I had a little sweatshirt, black hoodie, and I didn't. So I fashioned, I tried to fashion a black mask, you know, for my face, for face Mm -hmm. covering out of a t-shirt. And then I used the rest of it kind of as a hood so i was hoping it would look like a hood mm-hmm. and i literally stepped foot out of my door and walked down to the rally and Night. and at that <laughs> point there was a tank a tanker or an armed vehicle in the middle mm-hmm. of the street wow with a man on a bullhorn yelling And I had heard um, the Reverend Al Sharpton the night before say, no matter what happens, do not approach anybody with violence. Mm -hmm. And I was the only person not wearing a diaper or dressed. You know, I was really not making any political statement except I can't breathe. Mm -hmm. was the only thing my T-shirt had on. And I was and I was in all black. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to. He was yelling on his bullhorn. All really, it was hatred. So this, Sheila, I'm sorry to interrupt. So the person on the bullhorn was one of the rally people for Trump. 
I'm not sure. He had, it was like secret service or campaign people around him. Uh And the street intersection was all clear around him. Uh And I'm really not sure. I mean, there were people all over. Yeah. I just happened to get in front of him and I, I got on my knees and I prayed. Uh-huh. And wow. he, at that, he at that point starts yelling at me and call, calling me a coward and things like that. The guy uh-huh. in the bullhorn. Yes. Yes. Wow. And there's some videos where you can hear him yelling at me in the background. He's yelling at me, calling me a coward. Uh-huh. I don't know if it's because I have my head covered. I didn't, I didn't speak to anybody. Uh-huh. Well, you know that like nowadays, there's nothing more offensive than kneeling in prayer or just kneeling and saying <laughs> that people's lives matter. It's well, it's, it's yeah. very politicized. I mean, well, well fire people. Trump showed up with a Bible and you know and right. yeah. cleared cleared the space with pepper gas and I thought, right, but he didn't was- kneel. That would have been offensive. Yeah. I- I guess it was the new one too. All right, so you so you knelt down and you were praying, and then, and then I stood up and did the sign of the cross and walked on, and I thought, okay, I'm gonna walk, keep my distance from the line. I noticed there was a line entering into um, the entrance to the rally, okay. and I thought, I thought I hadn't eaten lunch. I'm gonna walk around. I'm gonna see what's going on, and I'm gonna go back home. You know, I'm going to go back home and plan on attending that evening um, the Black Lives Matter concert or rally. Mm -hmm. So I um, entered into the um, gated arena. It was a barricade, a wire barricade. I held up my phone and said, I have a ticket. And I think the the rest of it is on video, but they they said, you don't need it. And I said, oh, okay. You know, it did say first come, first serve, you know, because it was a million people. So, you know, there were people in line. And I thought, okay, <laughs> I'm just going to walk around and see what bands are playing, you know, see what's going on. Turned now, out not to be a million. Is this inside the, the what is it, the box center? It's, no, it's still on the outside. Okay. They had blown the street out. But no, I have not even stepped foot on the property of the BOK. Uh Wow. And I was stopped at that point. I was kind of with the crowd, you know, with the other people entering in. Of course, I'm by myself. Right. And um, then it was then that I don't know if it was Secret Service. I don't know if it was Trump campaign, but I was pulled aside by some man and said I wasn't allowed to enter in. And I said, yeah, I yeah, I am. You know, yeah. <laughs> of course you, you are. Know, I am. You know, why not? And he said, we're asking you to leave. And I said, no. You know, and at that point, I thought, I'm not going to argue with them anymore. There's no sense in it. There's nothing to argue about. And I just got down and prayed again. Oh, boy. I just prayed. It was damn knees. And that I, was the end of the that, whole incident, uh, right? Well, <laughs> no, no, not quite. All right, so you knelt and prayed in front of now. So when you said you were pulled aside, did somebody literally, you know, put their hands on you and move you aside? I honestly can't remember. Yeah, I at, bet. At yeah, that, yeah. At that point, I was surrounded by a bunch of men. 
you know, uh -huh. air foams in, you yeah. know, clothes, clothesmen, policemen. There's a lot of photographers around me. Um, I'm not sure who is, but some guy in a gray button down, you know, very buff is telling me I have to leave. Uh -huh. And I said, no. And then he called the police over and they tried to reason with me. You know, they didn't know what to do with me. What was their reason? They didn't. Yeah. Give the only reason they gave me, this is a private party. It'd be like us entering your home, you asking us to leave and we don't leave. Uh -huh. And I said, but this is my home. This is my city. This is my street. This is my country. Right. And they said, we're asking you to leave. Uh -huh. And I said, I thought, because I knew, I knew what was probably going to happen at this point. Uh -huh. And I thought, I'm not leaving. Yeah. I just thought, no, I have a right to be here. And you had tickets. I had a ticket, yes. Yeah. I have and he's Trump's blowing up my phone. I'm the la I'm his last chance to get elected. I think. He's asking <laughs> what do you mean he's blowing up your phone? You, because you got that ticket, you're getting texts all the time. All the time. And, uh. All the time. Still getting texts. And That's I'm amazing. Twitter's saying, "Please, press." They confiscated my phone. I was arrested. I was booked. I was taken to prison, and I was released at about five thirty that evening. Well, what did they charge you with? I don't know what I have been charged with. I don't even know if I've been officially charged. It, I've heard it was obstruction. They were obstruction going... Of, obstruction what? of what? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I can honestly <laughs> tell you I don't know. I'm sorry I'm laughing, but I, I can't think of anything else to do other than cry about this. So you were arrested. You were never told what you were charged with. You were held. I was held, yes. And um, they finally released me. Um, I went to post bail. I mean, I'd never done any of these things before. Um, and I was worried about, I had to use the restroom in the prison, which, of course, you can imagine it's open and it's... Yeah nasty and i had to drink out of the drinking fountain and uh. yeah i i was very you know but that being said if i had been a black person i would have been in a chokehold i'm sure right oh boy yeah or tased or right yes. exactly yeah 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 um, but now, did they tell you what they were charging you with? Do you think they said it and you just don't remember? At the time they said trespassing, I think they were they were saying resisting arrest. Uh -huh. You know, I was handcuffed the whole time. They moved me to several different locations. Um, they hospitalized me and got tried to get my blood pressure down. Um, they, you know, um, no. Oh, wow. But they never came right out and said, it, I have been charged, I've heard officially with obstruction, but- obstruction. okay. Yeah, again, obstruction of what, Sheila? Uh, I don't know. Of course, <laughs> I'm not real happy. I feel like some of my First Amendment rights have been violated. Uh -huh. I, yeah. I did have a ticket. 
Trump has not answered my tweets when I'm re- asking him. <laughs> he is sending me texts, but he's not answering me. He, he confiscated my phone. Why could they confiscate your phone? I remember the man in the gray suit looking at it saying, you know, we're taking this phone. And the police kept telling me, because I can't call anybody. My children all live out of state. And I couldn't get in touch with anybody. Uh And they said, well, you'll get it when you're released. That's so weird. There's so much blurring of lines right now. And it's it's one of the things that really steams me between... who is in the Trump campaign and who are the police and who are the military? I mean, that that that's what a police state is all about. Um, so do you have any idea who this man in the gray suit is or how he you can find out? I my what the Tulsa police are now saying, what I have read is that they were directed by Trump's campaign to have me arrested and wow. thrown out. Sure, but uh, this guy in the gray suit, he's committing a crime if he is not law enforcement in Oklahoma, if he's stealing your phone from you. Sheila, you know where you can find out who the guy in the gray suit was? Is um, I It's think, not Gregory Peck, Paula. No. Oh, darn. He's, he's on page 79 in the trial, in Kaf- uh, Kafka's The Trial. <laughs> so just take Absolutely a take, right. take a gander there and i think you'll and, and if you get the annotated version of the book you'll recognize him right away okay i'll, yeah. I'll definitely see if i can recognize the man oh let me just say one thing sheila is one of the several reasons why i love you is that i married an oklahoma girl and her mom uh absolutely has been through a lot of what I know there's a unique thing that is being a Democrat in Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah. it's in some ways it's less hostile than people might imagine. And in some ways it's more. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Yes. Um, I, I've lived here 40 years and uh-huh. um, I taught in North Tulsa in Tulsa public schools for 10 years. And um, I saw the poverty. I saw what my students had to face every day of their life. Sure. And just how unfairly their education, everything, everything that happened to blacks, everything that they had gained, the African-American community Uh in Tulsa, Oklahoma, was taken away from them and has never been given back. That's absolutely right. It was taken during the race riot. Um, Greenwood had per capita the wealthiest black community in the United States. It was Black Wall Street. Black Wall Street. And in 1921, May 31st, 1921, a white woman cried rape in an elevator. The man ran, of course, knowing what he was facing and was arrested. A white mob went down to lynch him. Some black police officers took him back to Greenwood to try to house him in safety. And whites bombed 
and burned and killed 300 black people. And all this has been taken and hidden from them and hidden from our history. I taught in North Tulsa and did wow. not. Yes. And they still don't have it today. They're, they still don't have their rights or their freedoms or their property given back to them. It's a very segregated town, Tulsa is. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah, it's North Tulsa is where the blacks live and South Tulsa or the rest of Tulsa is where the whites oh, live. Mm-hmm. Wow. If, well, if you look at the pictures, uh, the black and white photographs from way back then, um, you'll see a little baby in a gray suit. <laughs> <laughs> little white baby in a gray suit? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, he's, we're all shaped by our early experiences. He's grown up and been given more responsibility than he can handle. Um, well, but she, Sheila, as this as this moves forward, because um, I know you're going to learn more about your case. You might have even identified the guy in the gray suit. Would you consider coming back on our podcast and updating us? I would be honored to. Oh, we'd love oh, that. I'd love if I cannot find out who the man in the gray suit is. I'm not going to be able to sleep. I'll tell you that. Yeah, well, I mean, like that—that—that's uh, the biggest mystery on our podcast, short of uh, what happened to our intern. Yeah, no, and I also want to know. I mean, I—it is so Kafka-esque, and I know the same goes for many, many people that are, you know, wrapped up in this horrible situation that we're in. But that, you know, seeing that video, there was something about it that was just so like jaw-dropping. It was just like, what? What are they doing? And so I'm really grateful that you uh, responded to me and that you'd come on and explain. Um, thank you. Well, yeah. you're welcome. But again, I really did nothing except look around the neighborhood and try to see what was happening. Oh, you know? my Lord. Well, she is going to be the subject of a folk song sometime soon. <laughs> I was there the night of Sheila Buck's arrest. Sheila Buck, just... Thanks so much for coming by our podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so honored. I really am. Thank you. Thanks, Sheila. Take care. Thanks, Sheila. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's all the applause we got. Um, Wow, that was something, Paula. Wasn't it? I I was so amazed when she, because what I tweeted was that I had seen this thing that was so outrageous. And I said, uh, dear at Sheila Buck, um, if if you need help with legal fees, I didn't tell her that I have almost no money, but that I would like to kick in, (laughs) you know, at least a little something. But she didn't need it. She didn't. Uh, she didn't. You dodged um, the bullet there, Poundstone. Well, I, I kind of did. I mean, I, I, I kind of... <laughs> Dear Sheila Buck, I, I would like to find someone to help you with your legal fees is how I should have worded it. Um, uh, but anyway, so yeah, I was really glad that she got back to me. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's been a show unlike any that we've ever done before. It was just a coincidence that these two... You know that Senator Hassan was able to come on, and that I I had reached out to to Sheila at for the same time, but I just felt like it was important. Oh yeah, absolutely. This show has been about democracy, and uh, it's a precious institution that we have precious little of right now. I'll also note that if our listeners want to vote, because I have to get back to housekeeping, they can vote with their mouses and say yes to the Paula Poundstone product line. You know, not to. 
<laughs> not to uh, not to sully our democracy. Wow, what right. a segue. What were we going to name the show? Cheap. Um, oh, uh, Cheap Ploy? Yeah, that was, a, that was a remarkably cheap ploy to get our way to. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. You know what? No, listeners, these two things should not touch one another. Uh, <laughs> we'll protect our democracy first and separately. And then once we've done that. If you've got some extra time. Exactly. Then you can go to paulapoundstone.com. Uh, Paula uh, my store is at paulapoundstone.com where you can get the Poundstone Pussy Pillows, by the oh, way. Oh, Pussy Pillows. You yes. know, it's not going to save democracy, but it'll get your cat high. It's um, <laughs> it's little, uh, little homemade pillows, uh, about, I don't know, three inches by two and a half inches or so. Three by five. Um, they have the. Was three that by Wendell f- in the background? It was Wendell. Yeah, it's three that was his by first five. appearance on our Wendell, show. Get, get back into the factory. Um, it's three by five. <laughs> There's a cat joke on one side, and I'm happy to autograph it to your cat on the other side. And when you go on. PaulaPoundstone.com and go to the store. Um, there's a a box where you fill in your your cat's name if you'd like me to sign it to your cat. Um, and also uh, uh, new to the website, which is up. Um, we yes, have it is. Uh, RX laughter videos. I've been making comedy videos during the stay at home order and if funny go, ones too. Uh, thank you. If you go on my website, uh, right there on the home page, there's uh, a tab that says RX laughter videos. You click on that baby and find your way to at least a little bit of relief, you guys, from what we've been going through. And also. Among those videos are uh, workout videos. They are authentic exercises. Yes. They are absolutely authentic exercises that I... They are based on authentic exercises. They are authentic exercises that I have made uh, workout videos with, and then I make jokes while we're working out, which strikes me is a lot more fun than namaste. I can't argue with that. Uh, Nobody's. If you want to reach out to us, you can do that too. You can enter our theme song contest. You can send a succinct show description or just drop us a line. You just have to send it to nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. I'm going to repeat that because some of you are pulling over right now to write it down. It's nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And you can find me and Adam on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're all over the place. And check out our Facebook page at Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. That's our show, everybody. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Special thanks to our guests, Senator Maggie Hassan and Sheila Buck. And thanks to our house band, Jay Clannon. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Mixing by Michael Hoagie. Starburns production by Land Romo. Technical direction by Jessica Gutierrez. And special thanks to our former intern, Doug. Transcription (laughs) services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Wow, that was something. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we got closer to the solution to two mysteries tonight. Yeah, there's a lot of... Yeah, it's who killed democracy and who killed Doug. Yeah, uh, probably it might be the same guy, the guy in the gray suit. Or Bonnie Burns. 
if anybody uh, happened to see somebody in a gray suit coming or out. Or somebody crinkling some wrappers. It wasn't Bonnie Burns. She wouldn't kill Doug. It could have been Bonnie Burns. It wasn't. But that's ridiculous. She, she, she flies into rages, Paula. No, she can't. Uh, uh, she, she, you can't keep her attention, but she's not going to murder anybody. That's you think not... she was starting to murder and might have lost interest and somebody else came in? Well, she does think she multitasks. <laughs> Starbanks Audio, a podcast. <clears throat> A podcast network. Hey, Adam. Yeah. You know what? You can what? get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes oh, home yes. cooking fun, easy, and affordable. But of course, you know that. I know that, and I know that their recipes are delicious. They offer so many to choose from each week to help you break out of your recipe rut. And although I cook maybe two or three dozen things, there are ruts. And there's something for everyone, including low-calorie, vegetarian, family-friendly recipes. Every week, fresh, high-quality ingredients for a super flavorful experience and over 90% of the ingredients are sourced directly from growers to ensure the freshest recipes delivered to your door. You know what I'm wondering? What? what? What would be family unfriendly recipes? Oh, knives. Yeah. Razor oh, where blades. you just have carrots that leap off the plate and whack your kid right. in the head. Oh, yeah, that's a family un. That's not. That's Absolutely. not friendly. Uh, Hello, Hello Fresh allows you to save time. That's my favorite thing in the world. And stress. HelloFresh offers contactless delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips, which, you know, the grocery store is really stressful right now. It is. It there's is. so many arrows and, and people look mean behind their masks. Uh, oh, so, yeah. And there's nobody willing to hire Paula Poundstone. No, not not any of the grocery stores I've applied to. They want <laughs> nothing to do with Paula Poundstone. In fact, the Vaughn's actually has a sign up that says um, Poundstone free. It's oh, a, wow. It's a Poundstone free Vaughn's. I uh, need to know it's 100% Poundstone free before I shop there. Yeah, and this has re- this has really increased their uh <laughs> their, their their customers. Um you can save up to 